you know, when I drink, I want to smoke. When I drink, I want to like, you know, get a hookup. If I want to stop all these, these, these things that are not giving me fulfillment, I need to go to the root of the problem. And, and right now it's drinking. I was talking to my buddy the other day, my roommate, he's like, man, you're quitting all the boring stuff. And I'm like, I know I am. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. Well, welcome. Uh, Ryan here with Our Collective Journey, another installment of From Darkness to Life. Pretty stoked about our guest today. Um, We have a Canadian country music artist on named Greg Ryder. Greg, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, like I was, we were having a little conversation here prior to the show and I stumbled across Greg a few years ago, listening to some of his music on Apple Music and really found an ear for it. And his lyrics are amazing. If anybody hasn't checked him out, please do. We'll have some uh, links in the show notes and whatnot. But more importantly, we're, we're here to talk about, you know, just like every other episode, addiction, mental health, recovery, what that looks like. And Greg has a wild story, powerful story. He's been through a lot of stuff, just like most of us and all the listeners out there. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today to uh, share your journey with us, man. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I love what you guys are doing. And I think, um, you know, I think with mental health being the forefront, I think there's, you know, having podcasts like this that are, you know, really digging deep into people's journeys and their life stories. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people can, can draw inspiration from, from people being on the straight and narrow. And uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy to be here and talk about my journey. Wow. That's, that's so cool, man. And, and we couldn't agree more, right? It's a platform, a safe space for people to come on, kind of show their vulnerability and take that, take that step through the fear of sharing their story. And, you know, we're firm believers and I've said it for years now that that's, you know, we hear all these things about stigma and how do we break through stigma and, I think it's right here, starting with this, right? We, we chip away at it each time we tell our stories and normalize our experiences and just make it part of a normal conversation. There's no reason to be, you know, ashamed of what we've been through. I think the powers in what we did, the action steps and willing to share, man, there's so many people out there that are going through the similar journeys that we've been through, but they're doing it mm-hmm. alone and they're struggling and they think it's hopeless and it's so dark at times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, sharing your, sharing your story is absolutely what it's all about to me. And, you know, obviously coming off Bell Let's Talk yesterday, you know, I obviously have some, you know, mixed reviews about that Mm -hmm. because, you know, I just feel that, um, you know, nowadays it's like, I get that it's a great, it's a great starting platform for a lot of people that have never shared their story, but it's, it's, it's conversations like this, like you don't need like, the initiatives and stuff like that. Like I'd love to see where the money's coming from. And I never, I never got through my darkness because of a mental health initiative from, from Bell Let's Talk. Let's, um, it was more of me just having open conversations with friends and family and realizing that, man, the more that I open up, the more messages I get of people saying, thank you. More people saying like, yo, man, I love that you're on this journey. It's inspiring me. And it's just like, man, like, why would you stop sharing your story if it's like, if it's helping so many people? Um, and I think that's what like really fires me up about, you know, just being vulnerable and like, you know what, people are going to call me soft. People are going to call me whatever. That's, I, I think it's a strength. Yeah. hundred percent, man. It's like, I say this once in a while, it's like having a superpower now, right? You share your mm-hmm. story and you show that vulnerability and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it opens the door for the next person to reach out. And like you said, people start coming out of the woodwork and getting on your, whatever, your network of support. And they, you know, you inspire people. And then suddenly there's a purpose. That's what I found. Like now I have a purpose in my story, right? It was at one time, it was just to tell my story. And now it's like, how am I going to tell my story to use it to help other people? Yeah, absolutely. And you get some amazing conversations with people that you would never have guessed. And And it's just like, you know, maybe you had a friendship a couple of years ago, but then you guys start having this deep conversation about their struggles. And, um, you know, it's just like, they, they they say to me like, I don't have, I don't have what it takes to, to put it out, um, for everyone to see. 
And it's like, but I can live through your posts. I can live mm-hmm. through, you know, when you get vulnerable. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, I think that's what this country needs. And it, it needs leaders and these people that are going to, you know, go to war um, for the people. And, and when I think about my brand and what I want to stand for and what I want to say is like, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to say what other people can't. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're fortunate enough to have a platform where people are following you and listening to you. Right. And we're spreading a message of hope. And, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of people using their platforms for different things and whatnot. Right. And some of them, I believe in some, I don't, but when I see somebody like yourself using your platform to spread this message and share your story and give other people, you know, something to grasp onto. And especially, in, like you said, in this time, in this day and age where everything is so divisive and everything is so dark and the country has never been more divided. And I think these stories are more powerful now than they've ever been. hundred percent. And I think we're, I think we're getting a shift in music too. I think, I really believe that music is going to get very honest. And I think that's where country music is going. I think, I think we're done with like the, the bro country and the, <laughs> the, the kind of like that world, because I think people have been through so much that people are just starting to actually write from their heart and yeah. like, and not try and worry about chasing this, um, you know, the radio or chasing what country music has to sound like. I think it's just, you know, I, I really believe like the big artists nowadays that are coming up, like, you know, Zach Bryan and um, Tyler Childers and stuff like that. Like they're writing lyrics about, their story and, and from their heart and people are connecting with that. And I'm really excited. And I think that the, that new wave of music is exactly where I feel I'm going to attach to, I'm yeah. going to attach to, like I, I could never write beer drinking songs. I could never write breakup songs because I just felt, it felt phony to me. Yeah. It felt fake to me. And it felt like I was trying to build a, a music career around these songs. And I'm just like, I, I, I got this advice like from Paul Brandt when I was just starting out in the industry and I, he, he almost gave me a blessing and a curse and, and it, it screwed me up, but it also motivated me. He said, Greg, don't ever write cheeseburgers. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, what is a cheeseburger? And he's like, don't write what you think people want to hear. He's like, write songs that you want to sing and that you want to be known for. Mm-hmm. And that changed me. Cause I was like, man, like, you know, he's like, you may start off with a smaller fan base than like all those big artists, but I guarantee you that fan base that sticks with you, they're going to be, they're going to be there for longevity. They're going to be there for years. And, um, he's like, that's way better than, you know, getting famous off this song that you wrote, you know, for a big bar and a big kind of drunk crowd. And then that song follows you throughout your life, mm-hmm. like be known for the music that you, you want to write and the music that you want to be known for. Totally. Wow. What great advice, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And it was just like, but wait, but wait, Paul, I'm, I'm a 25 year old. Like <laughs> I want to get drunk and, and, and get girls. And, but I got to write what's in my heart, man. This is, I don't like this. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Well, and what you just said is, you know, it's proof right here. I'm you're sitting with somebody who stumbled across your music, and it was that authentic that that vulnerability in some of your lyrics and your songs that made me want to listen to more. Right? Like, there's thousands, and I'm a country music genre fan for years, and there's thousands of artists out there that are singing about the same stuff all the time. And to be honest, I don't listen to any of it anymore. I used to when I was that 25 year old partying and drinking and all these things, but now it's like let's have some meaning and some substance and that's what drew me to you right away. And then it's similar to podcasts like this, right? We sit down, we try to be as authentic as, as authentic as we can be. And there's tons of recovery podcasts out there, right? Go find the ones that you want to listen to. And, but for me, it's, I listen to the ones where it's people being authentic and, you know, using their voice to tell a story that uh, will help the next person type thing. And that's what I find in your music too. And it's, it's powerful stuff. That's awesome, man. That's, that's, that's the best compliment I can hear. You know, I think, that's what I want to be known for. That's the legacy I want to leave behind in the sense of I want my music to be real. I want to be able to say, you know, not be afraid to say what's on my mind. And, you know, for, for a guy that was a people pleaser for so many years and just would do anything to get the approval of others. Mm -hmm. I think for, for me to just step out in my own, my own light and say, man, this is what I want to say. Like, I don't care. Like, everyone's going left. I'm going right. 
you know, and uh, I think that's been my biggest, one of my biggest journeys and my biggest battles is, 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 is as a country artist, like everyone telling you, you have to fit this mold. And, um, you know, Nashville definitely made me, uh, I, I just felt like I was just jumping into a factory yeah. and people would say to me, Oh, Greg, this is a 10 year town. Like you're going to have to put in the time. You're going to have to work your ass off and, uh, keep, keep pushing it away until you get your chance. And I was like, man, what? Screw that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to just jump in this factory of country music and ride this conveyor belt. Um, until I finally get a chance to write some song, um, that I honestly don't really care about. Right. And that's what kind of made me just be like, man, is Nashville for me? Like, like, is this where, where I want to be? Like, I still want to travel. I still want to go across Canada. And I just, I made the decision just to leave after about, you know, a year and a half, almost close to two years. And I just kind of left it behind and people are like, man, are you coming back? And I'm like, I don't think so. I like, I, I had my run. I learned a lot about that city and the music there and the, and, and everything about that. I just said, you know, I don't know if it's for me. I, I'd rather... I'd rather be back in my home country um, and doing doing what I love and, and, and finding my purpose and my why on why I started doing music in the first place. Wow. Wow. And I bet that was, did you have some moments like when you decided, I think I'm going to leave Nashville where you're terrified to leave or where you're looking forward to leaving? I was like, it was weird. I still remember I my last show was uh, at Florida Georgia Lions Bar um, and I was standing up on like the rooftop and I just remember, I didn't even know this was my last show because I left Nashville so abruptly, but it was like, I was standing up on stage and I just remember looking out and just being like, I'm tired. I'm, I just felt like, you know, I was like a little back backstory on Nashville was that I went down there with absolutely nothing. And I, I went down for a 10 day trip. I was living in the Cayman Islands and I went down for a 10 day trip and I managed to book a show on my fourth night in Nashville. This little, this little off bar that I, I became really good friends with the bartender. And she said to me, if you ever live in Nashville, you ever come back, like you have a gig here on Sunday nights, I can only pay a hundred bucks. And I said, and I was like, all right, whatever, I'm down. So I was, as I was walking home from that bar, I was like, Hey, what just happened? Did I just book a show in Nashville? Like, okay. It, I just did that in four nights. What could I do in three months? Mm -hmm. So I canceled my trip trip back to Cayman Islands and I stayed there for three months and I lived in a hostel and I, I couch surfed with some new friends and I just did anything I could do to try and uh, live there for longer and soak in more uh, knowledge. And, um, and then all of a sudden it went to six months and that's as long as I could stay as a, as a tourist. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's make this more legit. And I did a P2 permit and I got an entertainer permit to, uh, to play music in Nashville. And, you know, about a year later, I'm full-time music with a band six nights a week playing downtown Broadway, um, playing the biggest bars, um, you know, four hours a night and, you know, making decent money. And, you know, for that first six months, it was an absolute dream come true. Right. You know, I'd, 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 be stay, I'd be playing to hundreds of people. I get free booze. I got free food. Girls were attracted to me. Um, you know, it was an absolute just like, man, this is my life. Like, mm -hmm. hell yeah. I'm, I'm doing it. something right. I made it. Yeah. And and then you start, then it went on. It went on. And I, I realized after about six months, eight months, my lifestyle just, I started to take a look at myself. And I'm just like, man, I think you're, you're starting to go downhill again. You know, you're, you're drinking a lot again. You're drinking multiple nights a week. You're kind of like, you know, back being a little bit of a womanizer. You're not really respecting women. You're yeah. kind of looking at them as a, as an object. Um, and I was like, I just felt empty. I felt, and I, and I, and I had nothing I really wanted to say. And every single time I tried to pick up my guitar to write a song, it was very surface level. It was very yeah. generic. And I was like, no, I, I there's, I'm empty. I'm, I, I need to, I need to kind of figure, I need to get my soul back. Yeah. And, um, I booked a trip to the Cayman Islands to go back and visit some friends, um, and pick up some stuff that I left <laughs> on my first, uh, jaunt. And when I, when I left the Cayman Islands <clears throat> and I went back and as I was sitting on the beach, I just, I realized to myself how burnt out I was mm -hmm. and how tired of like playing these four hour shows and, 
um, just feeling like I wasn't, I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't, I wasn't doing what I, I truly wanted to do with music. Um, and I was like, but man, you can't, like, I can't look back on that and regret it because it, it made me such a better performer. Totally. And, and, and that's the biggest thing I take away from Nashville is it, it taught me how to stand up on stage and to, to entertain an audience. And, you know, if you, if you're not a good entertainer, you don't make money in Nashville because you get a very small base. I was making, you know, probably only close to about 300 bucks a night um, for it, for like, if I didn't make any tips, I'd probably walk away with 75 bucks wow. for a four hour show. So, I would have to, you'd, you'd learn that if people were in your bar and they were in that bar to stay, you had to keep them mm-hmm. and you had to entertain them and you had to play the requests and you had to walk around the bar and, you know, flirt with people and talk to people because the more relationships and connections you build, the more money they were throwing in your tip bucket. Right. And that makes total so, sense. Yeah. So I just learned how to keep people in a room. I learned how to talk to an audience and I learned how to just keep people entertained and I look back on that and it's made me such a better performer when I came, but when I came back to Canada and, you know, I see a lot of performers stand up on stage and just sit there for three hours and just play song after song after song. Like me, I'm like, I'm talking to the audience. I'm wondering where they're from. I'll make up a random song about the couple in the back corner. (laughs) I I just have fun with my shows. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And that's kind of like, that's what I learned from Nashville and just made me such a better performer. Oh, that's wild story man i love it um you know like just jumping back to you talked about you know the emptiness feeling and and the feeling of sliding backwards and not feeling like yourself anymore and you know all the things that you listed off there the womanizing Mm -hmm. the the not feeling fulfilled and you know that's i always find that's the common thread you know your story is a hundred percent different than my story um I, I was hockey. I was all these things growing up, right? You're a country music artist and all these things too, but it's that those feelings that you listed off that are the common thread in all our stories, right? With alcoholism and, and using substances or women or whatever it is to fill that, that emptiness. That's mm-hmm. the piece that connects all of us is man. We're just searching for a way to fill this emptiness. And, and I find that's what addiction, you know, that is a foundational piece of addiction is that emptiness and that void. And whether it's, comes from childhood or trauma or whatever it is it comes from somewhere Mm -hmm. and suddenly we're trying to fill it and and escape from all these other things by using these outside sources and man that feeling of desperation and low self-worth and all those things are that that's that common thread that ties all of us together who are struggling i that's my belief i love that man That, that that gave me shivers just like it's so true like it's like that's what I, I was always, I was always longing for that. I was mm-hmm. always longing for that purpose and that like, why, why don't I feel fulfilled yeah. when I'm down, da- I'm down in Nashville and you know, on Facebook and, and Instagram, I look like I'm living the dream. Totally. I like, you know, it, but it's just like inside, like people don't see me waking up at 2 PM, you know, with my hair mess being hung over, like, you know, <laughs> like just an absolute, like, train wreck totally they don't see that they don't see that version no for sure i 100 percent relate to that right it's i always refer to it as the the nick nolte's mugshot video or his photo that everybody sees on (laughs) nobody gets to see that right the party's over you wake up you're hailed out your eyes are red you you still got for me it's like cigarette burns in my shirt i'm just a mess but nobody gets to see that they see the instagram life that man he's got his shit together and living the dream and yeah oh it's wild that's exactly that's exactly what you know that that the new song that I released, we ain't Royal yeah. is, is by far one of my most honest songs that I've ever put out. And it's funny because that song, now that I'm in my addiction recovery and like I'm sober, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like that, that whole, that whole song has a brand new meaning to me. Yeah. Like that song was written out of like, kind of like a very spiteful thing that happened in Nashville with a girl and how I, I, I just, it was like, it was very, it wasn't as deep, wasn't as deep as, as it was intended. But then I listen to the song now and it's, it's, it's just, for me, it's just like, I called my, my videographer that like, he's, um, he's, he did one town away music video and stuff. And, and I, I called him up like a couple weeks ago and, and, and he goes, man, I still love Wayne Royal. It's your best song. And he's like, I'm so surprised the song hasn't like take off, t- taken off yet. I'm like, you know what, man? It's just like, it's one of those songs that like, 
it's going to grow with me. It's mm-hmm. going to grow with me. And I think, I think I haven't, I wasn't ready to really attach a strong message and story behind it. But I said to him, I said, man, I feel like the whole song's changed for me. Amazing. And like, you know, I think the song's about, you know, battling your inner demons and, and, and trying to fit in with you know, society. And, you know, like I, I, all I've tried to my whole life is just trying to fit in, yeah. like trying to fit in and be accepted. And like, I realized that I'm like, I'm not meant to fit in. I'm meant to be a little bit of an outcast. I'm meant to be on the outside. And, you know, and that's for me, it's like, like when I think of the chorus, it's like, I'm so sick of the games. You know, I'm like, everything comes with a string, yeah. you know, dressed up Queens and Kings, but we ain't Royal. Yeah. It's like, it's like, why are we acting like we have our shit together when we're all struggling in one way or another? Totally. Yeah. I just think it's, it's crazy how like the songs change for me. Wow. That's listening to that song now is going to give me a whole new perspective on, on once, you know, once I hear you share what it means to you now, now it's going to take on a new perspective for me as well. And that's, that's the beauty of music. I think is everybody can relate to it differently, but for me, it's, you know, one of my first chances to hear the artist actually talk about what it means to them. And that's, that's some pretty insightful stuff. I love it. Yeah, man. It's uh it's, it's cool. So we want to do a big music video in the spring and like, I want, I want it to be a transformation video. I want, uh, I want to have kind of videos of me, maybe in Nashville in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, being a party guy. And then all of a sudden, like when the chorus breaks through, I come through the screen, yeah. like absolutely ripped to my, to my core running, doing runs, doing sprints, lifting weights mm-hmm. and just being like, this is me now. Yeah. Like that used to be the old Greg, like chugging beer on stage and, um, you know, just trying to be the party guy and realizing that like, I was just trying to, I was just trying to find it. I was trying to find acceptance and like, you know, how, how people accepted me back in the day was, man, this kid could drink. Yeah. And you know, I was, uh, I'm, pr- I'm, you know, I'm, I was pretty proud of my chugging skills back in the day. <laughs> I could, too. uh, I could polish off some, some pictures, <laughs> 60 ounce pictures and, and, uh, people are like, man, can you still chug like that? I'm like, God, no. I'm just like, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, that, that that's claim. how people, yeah. Go that's ahead. People accept me. Yeah. That's, that was, that was my claim to fame. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so relatable. Um, just jumping back to that, you know, authentic piece and being authentic and vulnerable. That's how I stumbled across you. Like I listened to your music a lot and, but I saw about a month ago now, I guess it was your, you posted on your Facebook page that you were 90 days sober. So I'm guessing what you're like 110 days or something now more than that. Yeah. 115. Yeah. Nice man. No, sorry. So sorry. No, not that. Not, no, I'm not there yet. I think it's only 105. Yeah. 105. Yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Dude. Oh man. I know it's, I, I kind of just started as a joke, not as a joke, but like kind of like, cause like I think for addiction, people that suffer from substance abuse, like we're so in denial. Oh yeah. And you know, I think for me, it's just like, man, I don't drink every day. I don't wake up with a, with a bottle of whiskey beside my bed. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm by no means that deep in right. it, but I realized that my drinking was the root of every bad thing that's happened to me. Like, you know, when I drink, I want to smoke Yeah. when I drink, I want to go on dating apps or I want to like, you know, get a hookup. Yeah. Um, you know, when I drink, I, I do all these things. So I'm like, okay, if I want to stop all these, these, these things that are not giving me fulfillment, I need to go to the root of the problem. And, and right now it's drinking. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it was like, I was kind of like a little bit nervous on what people would think because like, I feel like my, my whole livelihood, like how people know me, was a party animal it was a, was a, was a guy that moves to country to country and just has fun and lives life. And, um, you know, I just felt like, man, people are going to think I'm like this, like straight edge, like kind of like boring guy now. And, yeah. I, and, and, and I was talking to my buddy the other day, my roommate, he's like, man, you're quitting all the boring stuff. And I'm like, I know I am. <laughs> I'm like, you know, beers and cigarettes and, you know, it's, it's crazy, man. But it's just like, I'm, I'm bringing on healthy habits. And at the end of the day, like when I wake up feeling this way and going for a run in the morning and taking a big 
deep, you know, you know, breath of fresh air. And I'm just like, man, this is living. Isn't like, that the truth? Hey, this is it. Like, this is like, this is so much more important to me, like waking up and feeling like this yeah. rather than waking up and feeling the other way. Um, I, I, I take, I take a, a refreshing morning over a, um, a crazy night anytime. Isn't that the truth? You know, that's funny. Cause we have a lot of people that ask us, you know, once, once you get into recovery, what do you do without alcohol or what do you do without drugs or whatever your, your substance is or your behavior? Right. And I'm like, you know, at the start, I remember thinking those same things. What is life going to be like without alcohol? Cause in my life, everything revolved around alcohol, whether it was going on a holiday, I had to find a hotel with a bar in it and all these things, right? Where's the closest liquor mm-hmm. store. And, and now, you know, my answer to that is, and we all have the same opinion is we do everything we used to do. We do it sober and we remember it and we do it. It's a lot more fun nowadays. It is. Yeah. And how long, how long have you been sober now? Uh, coming up on February 11th, I'll be seven years. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years. Yeah. And I remember. That's so cool. Oh, it's wild, right? I remember sitting in treatment in 2015 thinking, how the fuck do I, am I going to make seven days? Yeah. Yeah. It seems such a unreachable mountaintop, right? And I mean, I don't know if we'll ever get to the mountaintop, but the journey getting up there has been amazing. And suddenly I'm at one year and then the, you know, it's the old recovery cliche almost one day at a time. And I used to think, well, fuck, that's ridiculous at the start, but (laughs) people ask, how did you get to seven years? And that's exactly how you do it is one day at a time. And now it makes total sense, right? If I focus on today, get through today, clean and sober, then I have another chance tomorrow. And all I got to worry about is today. I don't need to worry about tomorrow or Saturday or Monday or just get through today. Wow. That's yeah, man, it's, that's inspiring as hell. And I think, you know, it's, I've always envied people that, you know, got sober Mm -hmm. and like, you know, really changed their life around. And dude, I cannot wait to, I cannot wait to show you a song that it's going to be on my album. It's called look at turn his life around. Oh, I love it. And it's about that, man. And like, I wrote this song five years ago and I never believed it. I, I, I'd sing it out and people like, yo, this is a great song. Why haven't you released this yet? I'm like, cause I don't believe it yet. Like I wrote this as like my future recovery song, which is so crazy to say, but like now that I'm, now that I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm making a, a better turn in my life. I'm like, that song hasn't been released because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, wasn't right for me yet. Yeah. And like, I'm now, I'm now recording that song and I'm sitting in the studio, like, doing like in Montreal when I went there a couple of weeks ago and I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, I cannot believe this song is finally going <laughs> to see the light of day. Oh, I got goosebumps thinking about that. Yeah. I played the song at a, at a, a little um, penitentiary in uh, Edmonton. Yeah. And uh, it was a random day and, and I played it to a bunch of guards. It, uh, we were, I, I was, I was playing a gig with this, with this uh, bar up in uh, St. Albert called uh, Thirsty Rooster. And the owner is just this really great guy. He's been, a, a, he was the reason I moved out West. Um, I, I, I met him through the song 16 sticks and he yeah. wanted to do a fundraiser in St. Albert. And uh, he said, Hey man, like I really want to bring you out for uh, to sing, to sing 16 sticks. We're trying to raise money for the St. Albert minor hockey association. I said, absolutely, man. Like, um, you know, take care of my flight and get me out there and, and I'm there. So we worked at a deal. Um, he paid, paid for my flight in a hotel and got me a, a nice Jeep Wrangler for the week to drive around. And um, we did a bunch of really cool things in the community. And uh, he took me all around St. Albert and, one of the things he did was he dropped off meals every week at wow. the penitentiary penitentiary for all the guards and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's like, man, come with me and bring your guitar and uh, let's drop some meals off. And so he dropped some meals off and then I sang a couple of tunes and I sang, I sang hockey dad because yeah. one of the guards uh, had a young hockey player and I say, look, he turned his life around. They said, sing your favorite one. Like, what's your favorite song that you, you've written or like your biography? And I was like, oh, it's a song called look, he turned his life around. And I sang that and I was like, kind of like getting a little bit tearing up. And I'm like, man, like this song is, could be used for so many people that have literally turned their life around. Like people that are, or want to turn their life around. Like maybe people in jail that are just so sick totally. of being here and, and wanting to get out or people in recovery or addictions. Like 
the people that are on the other side, man, like there's no looking back mm-hmm. on regrets yeah. of like, man, I, 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 I it sucks that I, I hate that I, you know, gotten recovery. It's like, man, like you, you became a new person. Yeah. It, it really is like that, right? It's like a whole new beginning, a new life that I've never really experienced before. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been an amazing journey for me. And I know you're, you're 105 days. I can just tell from talking to you, your voice, your enthusiasm, it's, it's, you're killing it. And you know, it's going to be amazing to watch the rest of your journey unfold. It's amazing. It's still weird, man. Like I'd love to get advice, man. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely now that I know that you're seven years, like I'll definitely be reaching out because yeah, we all have days, but oh. like, I'm still, I'm still kind of feeling weird about like, you know, getting back into dating and, and yeah. stuff like that. It's like, it's, it's, it's weird because I can't just go, Hey, you want to meet for a drink for sure. Weekend? <laughs> it's like, that's the easy way out. Like, that's like, let's go grab a drink this weekend and have a couple drinks and see where this thing goes. Right. Yeah. It's like, I almost feel like girls are like, when I say I don't drink, it's either girls are going to, are just going to be like, ah, man, I want to, I want a guy I can go have fun with and go to the winery with and go get hammered. And, and I'm just like, so like now it's like, yeah, trying to find someone that understands that, like, that's not my priorities. That's not what I'm looking to do. And I, I quit drinking for three months about a year and a half ago when I was doing 75 hard again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember I, I quit because I was dating a girl that I just don't think she, she could comprehend it. And she was young. And, um, you know, I, 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 I felt bad because, you know, she was like, Oh, like, I wish you weren't, I wish you were like drinking with right. me right now. Like I wish we could go out and, and I, and it, it's funny that, that made me get back on. Mm-hmm. And that I was like, I, instead of like saying, no, this is right. what I'm doing. Like take a hike. Like, if you don't, if you don't believe in what I'm doing and you don't support what I'm trying to do, then get out of here. Yeah. And I just allowed myself to just fall back in and, uh, you know, 75 hard. I got in the best shape of my damn life. I was absolutely ripped running. And, 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 and then as soon as that ended, I, I remember going two and a half months sober, waking up the next morning at 10 PM, having breakfast and then going out to the patio to shotgun a beer. Oh, wow. I was like, man, yeah, 75 days, no alcohol. Let's go. Yeah. Boom. Shotgun a beer. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, bam started going downhill again. And like three months later, I'm overweight again and I'm feeling like dog. I'm feeling like crap. And I'm just yeah. like, what are you doing, man? Like you were, you were on, you were on a high and you just, you just let it go away. Yeah. And it happens quickly, right? Like you just said, right. Shotgun and a beer and whatever, a couple, three weeks later, a month later, you're looking around, how the hell did I get back here again? Yeah. It's like, and then you're bumming cigarettes again, you're buying packs and you're just like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's just like, yeah, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's funny. Like I quit drinking and and I'm looking at this bottle right now. Like one of the, one of the main purposes and the reasons that I wanted to quit drinking was I said to myself this year, I want to see what it takes. If I go full in on my music, I go all in on my goals. And one of my goals is to obviously, you know, build my streams up and, and get my, get my songs obviously more heard. And I bought this really expensive bottle of champagne. And I said to myself, I'm going to crack this when I hit a big milestone in my music career. Yeah. Um, you know, so if I, you know, if a song hits over 1 million streams, I'm going to, I'm going to crack this bottle. And I'm looking at this bottle right now and I, and it's like, I don't think I'm, I don't like now that I'm kind of hundred days in and stuff like that. It's like, okay, great. If I hit this milestone and I drink that bottle, you know, am I going to be able to stop there? Right. Am I going to be able to stop there? Or do I just keep the streak alive and, and just maybe shake that bottle up and spray it and then just leave it there and don't take a drop. Yeah. So that's, that's my next, my next little battle I'm uh, working with in my head. Well, it's cool that you're thinking about it, right. And planning for it. Cause it's when, we don't have a plan that uh, shit goes sideways pretty quickly when we reach those moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's really cool. And that really reminds me of my early recovery journey. Cause when I was in treatment, I've, I've talked about this before, but I had a counselor who had 20 plus years in, in a program and was in long-term recovery. And 
he told me at the start, he's like, why don't you give yourself, I had nothing left. I was bankrupt. I'd been fired from my job, getting a divorce, all these things. Right. And 40 years old, I was in treatment and going to live back in my mom's basement. And <laughs> my counselor says to me, he's like, dude, you got nothing left. Is that right? And I said, yeah. And he's like, do you have your, mm. you have your word left? Does that mean anything still? And I said, yeah, that's pretty much all I have left. And he said, uh, if that means something to you, why don't you give yourself your word that you're going to do everything you can, you know, that comes your way from somebody in recovery that you respect for at least one year, set a year goal. And when you get to one year, if life, you know, if you don't like recovery, like you can always go back out drinking and using that shit's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I made it to that one year, you know, I tried everything. It was that openness and willingness to try. And, uh, I made it to that one year and I went back to that treatment center to pick up my one year coin. Mm-hmm. And I thought, how the hell did I get here? You know what? <clears throat> and things are pretty good. Some pretty amazing things happened in my first year. And, uh, I thought now what? You know, I, I don't have the compulsion, the obsession to drink and use drugs anymore. That's been lifted and let's try another year. Let's set another goal. And suddenly two years showed up, three years, four years, five years. And I'm like, man, there's no turning back now. The things that I've accomplished in that journey and how hard we have to work, you know, to keep going forward in this recovery, there's no way that one drink I'm going back out. You know, I'm never, there's nothing in my life nowadays that's going to be bad enough or, you know, the obstacles aren't going to be hard enough, big enough mean enough, scary enough to make me go back out drinking and using. Cause I know that's not going to be the answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. That's, that's incredible, dude. And I think that's like, you know, if anyone just listens to that part in the podcast right there, like that, that can change people. Right. It's like, I've, you know, I've had some great conversations since I quit and, you know, people just think it's like, for me, it's like, it doesn't seem that big of an accomplishment yet. Like a hundred days is yeah. great, but it's like when, from someone that can't stop for a weekend, mm-hmm. that's huge for them. Huge. And I think, I think, and I think I realized that with like, it's like, man, you got to give yourself a little bit more credit. It's like, you know, like when people are saying to you, like, like, you know, I had this great conversation with a French that, man, I'm so proud of you. Like, like Greg, like I'm like, I'm, I'm horrible right now. Like I, I, you know, I'm drinking, I'm drinking every night. I'm drinking wine every night. And, you know, I see you on this recovery and it just makes me want to change. And like, I'm just like, you know, we had this like four hour conversation on the phone and I think she had some breakthroughs on that call. And it was just like, you just realized that just like, you know, you don't have to like, for me is like, I think part of me when I wanted to early on, when I wanted to be this like motivational speaker, I was just to myself, like I wanted to, I always want to inspire people. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was about me, but I would always just, you know, I'd watch Tony Robbins and then I'd watch these people and I'd say, man, like that just seems so amazing, like changing people's lives. Mm-hmm. And then I, I put myself into this, this, I'm too young. I don't have a story and I didn't have a story. And, and I said to myself, like the, for the next 10 years, I want to build a story. I want to build, I want to do things that normal people don't do. And just live my life, just like, you know, take the reins off and just go for it and see where this life takes me. And, yeah. you know, I want to, my hope is to build a story and a journey that now, now that I'm 31, I can, I can package it. Yeah. I can now package it into this, into this show or this speaker series or whatever it is. And now I can start talking about my past and my journey and, you know, people are like, man, do you regret, like, you know, you don't have a, you don't have a house, you don't have a wife, you don't have kids. Like, like, do you regret? I'm like, no, because like I've done stuff that like not many people have done. And now I'm at a point where it's like, I'm ready to start, you know, really honing in on the brand and building my story. And, um, now talking about it and, and turning back around and helping people that were in my similar spot. Mm-hmm. Wow. So cool, dude. <laughs> you know, you know what? I, I just want to backpedal a bit here. When you talk about, you know, you said earlier, you know, seven years, so inspiring. But for me, you know, I know how to keep myself moving in sobriety. Now I have the tools. I have all the different resources, this huge recovery network of counselors, therapists, people in recovery, lived experience, recovery coaches, all mm-hmm. these things. Right. So for me, it's a little bit easier. I find now. And I mean, everybody's experience is different, but once, you know, you get into a little bit of over five years, long-term recovery, things start to go pretty well, as long as you keep doing 
what got you there. And when mm. it's, you know, talking to someone like yourself or any individual who's in early recovery, 105 days, dude, those are the fucking, those are the moments that I remember how hard that was to make it to two weeks, six weeks, nine weeks, three months, all these things, right? Those are the moments, dude, mm. that's the strongest. You're the fucking baddest ass I know right now, because those are the moments and those are the people that inspire me to keep doing what I'm doing because I know what it was mm. like and how hard it was to get to a hundred days in recovery. So you yeah, know, man. talking to you inspires me just as much as vice versa, right? It's, it's powerful stuff. And that's where, what keeps me doing what we're doing today is helping the next person who's reaching out and struggling because somebody was there to help me on day one, day 20. And if they weren't there, I don't think I'd be here today. hundred percent, man. It's like, and I look back, it's like, for me though, I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't have that mentor or that person helping me. Like I've, I've, what I've learned about my life is that like, I I don't like saying, I hate that, that whole self-made thing. Yeah. But it's like, I, I really, I've, I've learned all my own lessons. And I think that's something I can be very proud of is that I never could really find a mentorship or a leader or, or something like that. Like I designed my life and I had to, I had to just take it upon myself. Like, um, you know, I, I, I didn't really have like positive role models and in, in, in showing me, you know, this is how to build a business. This yeah. is how to do music. Like I do have mentors that I, I could probably have had, but my problem was, is reaching out, yeah. it's asking for help. It's my pride. It's, it's my ego. It's the totally. sense of that I want to do it all by myself. And that was huge for me is like that weakness of realizing that, man, I suck at asking for help. <laughs> yeah. um, me too. But, I just had to do, I had to figure it out myself and I had to do it myself. And I think, you know, making that challenge to, to buy the champagne and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff was just me being like, I'm sick and tired of being here. Yeah. I I'm done. I'm done with this, this person. Like, like you're not, you think, you think you're going ahead. You're moving ahead. Like every single time I, 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 something would happen, accomplishment, the first thing on my mind was let's get drunk. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> know, and, and, and I realized that I had two, two of my biggest shows last summer. I opened up for uh, Prairie States in this uh, private concert in Athabasca, Alberta. Yeah. Great show. Absolutely tuned after. Wow. Didn't, didn't network, didn't talk to any of them, blah, blah, blah. Didn't really build a connection. End of summer last year, I opened up for Gord Bamford. Wow. I'm an, I'm an anxious mess all day, mm-hmm. nervous, ready to, ready to put on the best show of my life and, and, and bring it. As soon as that concert ended, I didn't talk to Gord. I didn't talk to anyone. I went straight to the VIP tent and took two shots of Crown Royal and, um, you know, did some edibles and popped a couple shrooms and got absolutely annihilated. And I said to myself, are you kidding me? Like, you couldn't just be a little bit more sober and maybe you could have built a connection with Gord Bamford for future shows. Right. And I realized that is my problem right there is that every single time something good happens, I fall back off and it's like, it's like a constant rebuild. Oh, fire it up, get some momentum, 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 drink. Yeah. Boom. And it's just felt like this jagged mountaintop. And I was like, man, like I want to go, what can I do in a year if I stay sober and I just, use the momentum of every single accomplishment to let that build, right. build off that one, build off that one, build off that one. And that's been my whole thing, man. Like that's you. And I feel like it's, you just got to go short term goals. Like, yeah. like I could, I couldn't think of a year <clears throat> in my first week. I was like three months <laughs> and now my next goal is six months. Yeah. And you know, I'm just going, I'm just going three months at a time. Amazing. And that's, yeah, that's, you know, in my experience anyway, and in my own personal experience and then working with other people, that's the best way to do it, right? Is find this North star goal that you want to hit, but let's, it's smart goals, right? Break it down into something attainable, something measurable, and let's get after it. Yeah. And and the, then those successes start piling up and we look back and then we have some pride. We're like, holy shit. And it's not false pride. It's I accomplished this. What can I do next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it involves having a beer, odds are those smart goals and those North star goals are never going to be accomplished for guys like you and me. Right. It's like you said it earlier on. It's like, where's, 
you crack that champagne, where is that going to lead? Who knows? Right. And for me, it's like one drink is the only one I can control is that first drink. And I recognize that. And I had to prove it to myself in my first stint of sobriety where if I have one drink, I could probably get away with it. Right. And holy Mm -hmm. shit, was I wrong? (laughs) It took a while, but that one drink led to an eight ball in my pocket and another year and a half runaway where it took me to suicide again. So I know that's that one drink is the one I can control. And as long as I don't have it, because once I pick that up, I give all the control back to my addiction and look out. (laughs) I don't know where I'll be. And that's, that's right there where people don't understand is like, you know, someone like, and I get that not everyone has that, right? Like not people can drink and like, it's possible to drink in moderation for sure. Like, it, it, it's possible to enjoy it. And I think what people don't understand is that I just don't want to give that power back. And like, yeah. and like, that's exactly it. It's like, man, like what's one Bush light going to like, what's that going to do? And it's just like, Oh, <laughs> watch me. Yeah. Hold it. Hold this beer. Watch, watch, what, watch what I can do in a night. If, yeah. uh, if you, if you give me one Bush light. Absolutely. It's, it's like, like unleash the beast. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I always said, I always laughed about this, like when I was kind of not like in recovery, but like just kind of thinking to myself, oh yeah. Like, you know, I remember I'd go out for, uh, yo, Greg, you want to come out for a beer tonight? Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I'll come out for one. Um, you know, you have your first beer, you're still sitting there like pretty good. You're like, man, I still, I'm still in control. Yeah. I could walk away. I could walk away right now. I could put that money on the tab and just walk out. Okay. One more. And then all of a sudden, I, I think it was it was three beers. Yeah. Every every decision making went out the window. <laughs> For sure. Oh. It was like it was like anything seemed like a good idea after three. Oh. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And why would we why would we stop now? We've already had three. We may as well have thirty. <laughs> yeah. It's just like you know. It's like I like you go from oh, oh my god. It's so true, dude. That. I always I laugh at that. I always share this with people that you know. For me. I wasn't a daily drinker. I didn't drink from morning till night and all these things later on in my journey. That was cocaine for me. I was high as soon as my feet hit the floor until whenever it was, I would go to bed for months on end and it was craziness. But if I had two beer in the fridge, those were the the two safest beers in the world. Cause I was not drinking (laughs) two beer. I thought always looked at stuff like that. And I thought, (laughs) what is the purpose of drinking those two beers? (laughs) It's like, dude, like, man, I actually enjoy the taste of beer. I'm like, I don't. <laughs> right. I, 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 I enjoy the taste of being absolutely drunk as hell. Right. Yeah. I, I drink for effect. I don't drink to socialize. And <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And those oh. are, you know, the people that don't understand that, like you said, people can drink in moderation. And I, I part of me is jealous of those people because that's, oh, yeah. that's not me. <laughs> I don't even know what that word means really. Absolutely. And I, and I, it's funny, like going back to that, like, I think that is almost like a true sign of an alcoholic when they say, I like the taste of beer. It's like, do you, <laughs> or do you like, do you like what that taste is doing to you? For sure. And it, that's one of the, it's like, that's one of the first questions, you know, we ask people is when we ask if, you know, if they're not sure if they have a problem with alcohol or like, can you just have one drink? And if they can, mm. what's going on in your brain after that one drink? Like, the people that drink in moderation are planning the rest of their night and I got to go home and have supper with the kids and take them to soccer and all these things. For me, if I'm thinking about having one drink, I'm already planning, where am I going to get an eight ball from? You know, where's somebody better have a hookup for back page and all these things. Like my wife goes to shit real fast. Oh my God. I know it's, it's one I can, and I, and even people that like smoke weed and go to the gym, I, I was always jealous of those people too, like functioning high people. Yeah. But it's like, some people can just be like, yeah, I'm just gonna go for a quick little pint with a, uh, with a buddy. And then yeah, gonna go home, cook some dinner, go for a, go for a workout and stuff like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> what who are Wait, you? <laughs> you're going back to normal life after this beer. Like once mm-hmm. I have that, Oh, it's just like, that's so funny. And it's, it's, that's exactly it. It's just like, it's people that can just, Hey, have one and just live their life normal. And I'm, and then me, it's just like hundred percent. Yeah. It's um, like, okay. First one's down. Where's that next one coming from? Yeah. I go to a 12 step program. I still attend every Sunday night. Right. And cause I know that is what got me 
to where I am today. So, and it's different for everybody. Some people are 12 step people, some aren't, but for me, the program I go to talks about one is too many and a thousand will never be enough. And that is so true yeah. for me. If I have one, there better be a super B of cocaine out front and a big tank of beer. <laughs> yeah. Man, that, it's funny though. Like I'm still, when I think about the 12 step program and like, yeah. maybe that's just me, but like, I, I, I still feel like I'm in denial. Yeah. Like I still feel that like, I don't need that. Like yeah. for, for, and that's just hearing you talk about it and stuff like that. It's just like, I question it. I'm like, am I really in recovery? Like recovery seems so serious to me. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I, I think it's recovery is different for everyone, right? For me, it's like, there's a, there's a moment where somebody can get clean and, or get sober, right? Or clean and sober, whatever you want to call it. Right. And that's different mm-hmm. than being in recovery. For me, clean and sober is just putting the plug back in the jug, they say, and and that's it. I'm done drinking. And for people mm-hmm. that can do that, that's amazing. Another instance of I'm jealous of those people because I needed more than that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't just stop like that. So for me, recovery came, I got into recovery when I started working this program and it started to, you know, I took away the drugs and the alcohol. That was my coping mechanism for years. That really wasn't the problem. That was the, that was my solution to all my other problems. <laughs> And we say that every time we talk to somebody, right? It was the program and the, and the principles of that program that helped me dive into those underlying problems. And then I could mix in some counseling and some therapy and these types of things to entirely change my viewpoint and change my focus and my perspective on life and focus on myself and not, you know, that's what helped me get out of that victim mode where the world was out to get me and poor me, poor me. And now it's like, no, I got to be accountable for my shit. And then it helped me focus on what I can control in my life. And that's usually just the way I react to the world around me. And that program mm-hmm. has continued to help me live a better life and how to deal with society. And, you know, life has just gotten a lot better. Drugs and alcohol aren't a real issue for me anymore. I know I can get back to them real quick, but I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about relapsing today as long as I keep doing the work that got me to today. And that's mm-hmm. what we're doing today is just sharing our stories and helping the next person, right? And talking with somebody in recovery. And that's all part of that program is that's a step 12 piece right there is carrying the message to the next addict, alcoholic, whatever that's still suffering. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that keeps me fucking going today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's and, just, yeah, it, it's funny sitting around and just laughing about your past self. is kind of like, it's, <laughs> it's humorous. It, it really is. We joke about all the time. I'm like, I got to go to work today. I can't believe people are paying me to, to talk about how fucked up I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, that's oh, where really, so you, you do recovery coaching. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We have recovery coach program that we offer out of our collective wow. journey. And we, uh, we do some, some other things. We just are there to help people when the phone rings, right? If somebody reaches out for help and they're ready to check, to tackle their addiction or whatever it is, we answer the phone because we know that window of opportunity closes so quickly that if somebody isn't there to answer the phone, whether it's at a clinic or AHS or wherever it is, man, they may never reach out again. Oh my God, man. I love that. And I, it's funny, like after, for some reason, after 90 days, I'm already looking, I'm looking in, I'm researching how to become a recovery coach. Like, like just, dude, we got the power of that. We got the hookup for you, (laughs) man. Like I was just thinking, I'm like, like, it's the power, man. Like I've like, just like conversations I've had with people. I'm like, I'm like, by no means am I ready yet, Yeah, but it's just, but it's just like, I can see myself, like you talk about inspiration, you talk about helping people. Like, I'm not sure if you, you came across this, this part of my, my story, but I, uh, I, I, I did a cross Canada tour Yeah, and I, I, I spoke at 90 high schools across Canada. I never did see and, that dude, but that's amazing. Yeah. So that's almost the, one of the reasons I moved home from Nashville was when I felt this emptiness, I said, okay, think back. Why? who are you? Why did you want to start music in the first place? It was to inspire. And, you know, and I think about the person I was in high school and, you know, how just clouded I was and confused. And I said to myself, man, I want to go back and I want to tell high school students what no one told me in in, in high school. And I was like, man, it's okay to not know what you want to do. It's okay to just not have it all figured out and have this like four year game plan where like you see your life. It's like, man, like, it's okay. Like yeah. you can try different interests and you can try everything under the moon. Like when, when, when people started seeing me do music, like, I don't think you understand how random it was. Like I never play music. Wow. I never played guitar. I never sang. 
in public. I know I didn't sing in high, I didn't sing in plays. I didn't sing around bars or little coffee shops. I picked up my first guitar when I was about 18. I put it down cause I sucked at it. <laughs> and then 21 was when I actually started learning my first song. Wow. And I, I, I did it to get laid to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I'm being perfectly, perfectly honest. I'm like, I'm, I'm in college now. And I'm like, okay, if I have a guitar in my room yeah, for um, sure. or I can go play at a party, hell yeah. This is just going to like put a, a step up on all the other guys in college. Mm-hmm. But I said to myself, I'm just said, I want to do this high school tour. And, and I was talking with this guy, this, this little party back in my hometown. I just got home from Nashville. I was confused as hell. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, moved back in my parents. Um, you know, I felt, I felt like I was just retracting. And uh, I told this, I opened up about this idea that I want. I'm like, man, I'm like, I set up this little call center in the, in the basement and I was calling out high schools and I was just calling principals. And, and it was funny. I just was like, I'm just going to try and start booking these private high school tour shows. And he goes, man, don't do that. He's like, just do this, do what I did. Like I, he's like, get in touch with this company called live different. Mm-hmm. And they do, they do charity. It's like a, a mental health. Um, and they go across Canada and they share their message. Wow. And I was like, no, I'm like that's legit. Like there's a company out there that does that. And I'm like, yeah. So for the next week, I just called them. I called them, emailed them, tried to figure out how to get in. And uh, I finally got like the tour guy on the phone I said, Hey man, like I want to do this so bad. And I, and I told my story and he's like, yeah, come in for an interview. And, uh, I want to hear some of your songs. And I came in, sang him, sang him, look at Turner's life round and we ain't Royal. Wow. And those are the two songs that I sang across the, uh, the country. Whew. That's awesome, man. I love it. Yeah. And that man, just, hearing high school kids and the things that they've been through at such a young age, I couldn't even fathom being through some of the stuff. Like we were in very rural areas where it was like, you know, there was, it was just like, there was great tens with, with drug problems and, yeah. and, and coming from broken homes and sexual assault and abuse. And it's just like, man, I came from a pretty, um, you know, like a, privileged kind of environment, right. you know, just outside of Hamilton. And we, we had a great high school and didn't really have those problems. And like, it was just crazy just to talk to these students and just being like, man, like if you guys can get through this stuff, like, man, it's, it's, it's tough. And that re-inspired me to just to, to do, to do bigger things with my music. Oh my gosh. You know, I have so many times during this podcast where I've got goosebumps and that's one of them, right. Is inspiring and, and, connecting with the youth that was something we try to do here too right we speak at a few schools here and there and it's like when you get to be you know the age of yourself or myself and and we are facing these issues you know that's a long time down the road that we've developed these values and these habits and what we think is normal and they're ingrained in us by the time we hit 30 and 40 years old if you can connect with those youth in in grade school or junior high or whatever it is and not tell them you know the old drugs are bad. Don't do drugs. (laughs) That old thing. Right. Mm. But share some experience with them and tell them, you know, I was sitting right where you were sitting at one time and never in a million years did I think I would end up where I was (laughs) and and the choices and just the education around it, right. From somebody who's been down that path, it's, it's, it's more valuable and they retain a lot more in my opinion than they do reading it from a textbook or hearing it from their teacher. Absolutely, man. And I, and I still have some of the students that follow me on Instagram and will reach out to me from time to time on, you know, TikTok and me just be like, man, I still remember when you came to our school. And it's just like, that's cool. That's, that's cool. When like, you know, you know, those, those students are going to grow with grow and grow, grow into, you know, concerts one day and, and just be like, yeah, man, he came to my school back in the day. I think it's just like, it's just cool, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if I continue just to get on the straight and narrow and, um, you know, fight to stay on top, I just think that like, that's the voice that I want to have. And, um, yeah, it's amazing, dude. Like when you hear back from those students and granted, we're never going to reach everybody we speak to or share with, but it's always that one. If we connect with one person, it's worth it every single time. Right. When you have these kids following you and, and messaging you and stuff, you know, you've made those connections and somebody heard what you said that day. Yeah, man. And I think I went on, I went on that trip with a whole different, uh, you know, I went, 
I remember when I started the trip, it was very ego based. It was yeah. very like, it was like, man, I, I just can't wait to go across the country and build my social media following and, uh, you know, have, have my merch table and sell, sell t-shirts and sell all these things. And I thought this was going to be a huge opportunity to make some money right. and, and, and get ahead. And I realized that about maybe a quarter way in, oh man, there's something way bigger here. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Like at one point I didn't even care if I sold anything like Greg, like, so like the, the, the company was something would apologize, be like, sorry, man, we thought like there'd be more t-shirt sales at, at these shows. And I'm like, man, I really don't care. I'm like, <laughs> I, I sat and I talked to a student for about 30 minutes and he told me that, you know, about a week ago he was thinking about committing suicide oh my and gosh. that, and that he, he hears my song, look who turned his life around. And he's like, man, I want to change. Oh, I love like it. I want, and it's just like, Oh man, that's, that's worth everything. That's yeah. not, that's, that's more, that's more to me than any, any dollar. That's what there. it's about right there. It's you've touched somebody and, and likely impacted the trajectory of their life. hundred percent. Oh, and I, I hope, I hope, I hope I get a message 10 years from now, like, you know, and just say, man, like you put me on the right path. Like that's the, that's the most amazing, amazing thing you could receive ever is like, yeah. Yeah. And you know what you, you will receive those messages. I know it cause I've received them myself and you know, I remember you talking to me in whatever, I, in a jail cell six years ago, and they've been to recovery and, and trying to get sober and these things still today, right? And it's just those moments where we're present to, to try to pass on a message of hope to somebody else through our own experience, man, mm. there, you can't put a dollar value on that. No, you really can't. And, and that's when, yeah, when people ask me, like, you know, why do I do music? Why do I still do it? Like, aren't you tired of like, you know, you know, n not feeling like you're getting above and making a good living sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, I, I feel that stress some days. I feel that anxiety mm -hmm. of not, you know, bringing in a stable income, but it's just like, then you get those wins. And just even this podcast, is a huge win for me, because it puts me in that back in that emotion yeah. of, of why I do it. And, it. and it's the purpose. And it's, it's like, you know, it's yeah. Great. Uh, I could probably, I could probably make a really great living being a salesman. Like I really could, but you know what? Like, that's just not, that's not what's going to get me excited about the day and, and, and get me chasing. Yeah. It's, it's the conversations I have with people when they say, man, thank you because of you, I didn't give up. Oh brother. That's, that's exactly, it's like you stole a word, the words out of my textbook. <laughs> that's exactly what I feel every day. Right. It's, I did everything I was supposed to do that society told me I would be happy doing early on in my life. I checked all the boxes and I still was not fulfilled and happy. And I still had that void and it took me 40 years to find what my purpose was. And now I've found it. And it's not about the money. It's not about the, the social media following. It's not about all oh, recognition and all these things. It's how many fucking people can I help today? That's it. Not for me. You know, I get help by helping others and man, that's what fills my cup today. And it's pretty powerful shit. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for this. Uh, yeah. I'm grateful for this podcast today and this interview and yeah, yeah it's really, it's put things back in reflection um, for me. And it's just like, yeah, you guys are doing great things, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Oh, dude. And you know what? It's powerful. I'm so glad that you made time in your busy schedule to come on today. And I feel like we just touched the surface of your story. And so, you know, the door is always open. If you want to come back on maybe a, a sequel, come back on and share yeah. more of your early journey and, you know, some of your other struggles. I know you wrote a book in 2018. You got a lot going on, dude, that we didn't even touch on today. Yeah, man, absolutely. There's uh, yeah, that, that, that book right there, I guess my, but again, I, I don't even talk about that anymore because you know, it's my old way of thinking. Yeah. It was just, it was me trying to, and I think I was trying to touch on this, but you know, my, my ADHD mind uh, went off course and I didn't, I couldn't nail home the fact, but I remember I was trying to circle back to this, but it was the idea that, you know, when I, I was always trying to fix people's lives. Mm -hmm. I was always trying to change people's lives, but I wasn't willing to change mine. Boom. And I, I, and I, I would literally, you know, post motivational quotes and inspirational quotes about going after your dreams. And I'm like, but what am I doing? Yeah. Like, you know, like, am I going after them a hundred percent? And I think that's 
you know, my whole thing now is like, yeah, I love, I, I, do I overshare on Instagram sometimes? Yes. Do I, I, do I have absolutely anxiety when I get really too honest with some people, but it's like, I'd rather, I'd rather lead by action. I lead by just going out for runs and, and, and showing people that I'm in recovery and that I'm getting better. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have to tell everyone that, you know, to, to, to quit drinking or to get into recovery or do 75 hard, but it's just me being like, man, I'm doing this and look how happy I am. Fuck. Yeah. That's yeah. wicked, dude. It's, it's another quote from the 12 step group I go to and they talk about attraction rather than promotion, right? We don't promote it, but people are drawn to us when we start doing the next right thing and working on ourselves and people are like, holy shit, look at that guy. What's he doing? And then yeah. we have a chance to share. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I know you yeah, got, man. you got more on the table today, man. So why don't you tell us where uh, the listeners can find you at? Yeah, man. So, uh, yeah. So Greg Ryder, uh, official on, uh, Instagram and, uh, Facebook. Um, but, uh, actually you actually did join the, the new little private group I'm creating. Yeah. Um, that's actually called team rider. And, um, you know, I think with kind of social media nowadays, it's very hard to feel like, you know, sometimes the algorithm's not in your favor, <laughs> sure. uh, engagements up and down. I wanted to create a, a virtual street team of people that want to see me win and want to help support. And I want to help support them. If, if they got a, something that they want me to share or it's just creating a, a group of people supporting each other. Um, and uh, yeah, I created team rider for that fact. So um, yeah, that's on my Facebook page, uh, Greg rider official. And um, yeah, just looking to kind of build that team up and uh, um you know, my goal is to get 300 members by April 12th yep. and uh, maybe launch some uh, some Team Rider merch. Perfect. I love it. And I know any listeners out there, check it out. Greg Ryder official. And uh, this is a worthy cause, right? It's a worthy initiative. And uh, it's just for doing the next right thing and helping people. So jump on, check it out. And uh, we look forward to seeing some of your merch because I know... We, uh, we buy a lot of merch, so we're going to be looking for that rolling out here in the future. Awesome, man. Well, thanks a lot for having me today. Yeah, for sure, Greg, and I'll touch base with you. I know I would love to have you back on, so would some of the other guys. They'll be in studio, and uh, we'll connect and uh, go from there. Perfect. Awesome. awesome. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy your day. You too. See you, Greg. All right. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Our Collective Journey is here for you. Please consider supporting OCJ by visiting ourcollectivejourney.ca and clicking donate. All proceeds go to supporting the health and wellness of people in our community. Hosted by members of Our Collective Journey. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Thank you for listening.